Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. David had beautiful eyes because his eyes longed to look on the beautiful Lord for his wisdom and help in life. David wasn't tall, but David was tall enough. David wasn't old, but David was old enough. David was not his father's first choice, but he was God's choice. David wasn't a likely candidate to be king, but he was the greatest king Israel ever had. David was God's choice and God's anointed, even as a child. That's Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, make sure that you call us at 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is there right now to take your prayer request and to pray with you. 888-244-HOPE. Today's Reaching Your Heart with Pastor Michael Oxentenko is the conclusion to a message he entitles, The Anointing. That's The Anointing. We hope you enjoy it. We will bring you that broadcast now, but don't forget you can always find it online at reachingyourheart.com. Here's Pastor Mike. The ark contained that blue sapphire stone tablet set of the law that God had given to Moses at Sinai, taken directly, Moses says, from the throne of God in Exodus 24. And there he was in the presence of God. Have there been times in your life where you felt like you were very closely connected to God and you went to sleep and God was there? Has there been a time like that where you could just feel it? Imagine feeling it every night, knowing that you're lying down and beside you is God. The law of God, a piece of the throne of God, the Ten Commandments right there. Perhaps Samuel was aware of Psalms 91, verse 1 and following. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High, who abides in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, My refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I like verse 3. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. When we find grace in God's presence, we find safety from our enemies in life. When we lay ourselves into his will, we find ourselves able to stand against enemies that would threaten us. Verse 4, he will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day. So Samuel was sleeping one night, and God called him in the night, and Samuel answered right that night to God. First Samuel 3, 4. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. I don't know what God's voice sounds like audibly, but I imagine it might have been something like this. Samuel, Samuel. And he said, here am I. No lecture there, just a simple, here am I. He didn't know who it was. He did not know it was the Lord speaking to him. Verse 5. The Bible says, he ran to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called him again in verse 6 and said, Samuel, Samuel. And again he said, here I am. In Hebrew, Hineni, Hineni, it's a childlike talk. And so he went to Eli again and he said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, no, I didn't call you, go lie down again. So he did. First Samuel 3, 7. 
Now Samuel did not know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. There's a lot being said here. Friend, you see, it's God's will that our children serve the Lord so they can in the future hear the Lord's voice in their life. Service comes before they can fully recognize the voice. Samuel didn't know who was talking to him, but he was ministering to the very God he didn't know. Before they really know him, it's a good thing for them to hang out, to rest, to find their place of recreation in the church. You know, I want our church full of young people doing all kinds of things, as many days of the week as they can. And I want it because I know if they hang out in the church long enough that there will be a certain number of them, and I hope it's all of them, who hear God's voice, who connect with the church emotionally, who will become future servants in God's church. That's why children need the church, because this is the place, along with the home, but this is the place where they can connect with God. Now, I can testify to you today that I would not be a Christian in the church today if it were not for a godly set of people who have put me into the context of a church where I could learn the things of God because I had no home life that would allow me to learn the things of God. You know, if we only rely upon the home for a certain quantity of our children, they won't make it because they have homes like the one I grew up in. I had a dysfunctional home. I had parents who were not in line with Scripture at times. I had a loving mother, but she was totally disorganized. And when I came to the church, it was this island of sanity. It was a place where I could learn God. And I'm a Christian today because the church did not pass off the vision just to the family. Now, when we have an ideal situation, we will have families in line, we will have the church in line, and we will have our entire service coordinated in that way. But if the family is offline, the church must never surrender its call to minister to our youth and our young people. In verse 8, the Bible says, the Lord called Samuel the third time. You see, children don't get it the first time because they're children. They have to hear it by repetition. And I'm the same way. I'm an adult. And that's why we need to keep on teaching our children the Word of God around here and not grow tired about it. When Samuel came to Eli the third time, Eli had figured it out that God was calling Samuel. Now think about it. God could just as easily have talked to Eli himself. He could have just said, hey, Eli, let's have a conversation. Eli could have been the one that was sleeping before the Lord. He could have heard the Lord's voice, but he didn't hang out in the church. You know, he came to the church when he had to. But what we see is that Samuel was there. Because Samuel was connected, God moved beyond Eli to the child and spoke to him. So Eli was not as close to God as the child was. So this time Eli gave the boy some instruction. 1 Samuel 3, 9, Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And if he calls you, you shall say, What does it say in your Bible? Are you looking at it? Speak, Lord, what? For thy servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Verse 10 describes the personal God who wants to have an authentic friendship with every boy and girl and parent too. God left the wings of the cherubim. He left the throne room in the most holy place. He stepped off his mighty throne to come right there to the veil that separates the holy from the most holy place. And the mighty God of Israel and the God of the universe spoke to a child to give him a prophetic message that would change the course of history. 1 Samuel 3.10, The Lord came and stood forth calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak. For thy servant hears. 
When your son or daughter prays at his or her bed at night before the Lord, the God of the universe is not too big that he cannot step down off his mighty throne and speak to your son or daughter just like he did Samuel. And when he speaks, I hope your son or daughter does not hear what Samuel heard that night from God because it would rattle you to hear what God told that little boy prophet. 1 Samuel 3.11, Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I am about to do such a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone that hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I tell him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity which he knew because his sons were blaspheming God. And notice what he says next. And he did not restrain them. Eli was not responsible for the sins of his sons lying with the girls at the door of the tabernacle, but he was responsible for doing nothing to stop it. Verse 14, Therefore God says, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. His house is finished. Eli's eyesight was dim, and God told him that day that he was going to put out those lights. His house had come to an end. Dear heart, God knows we aren't perfect people. He knows this preacher isn't a perfect person. He knows you are not perfect people. And he loves us and his forgiveness is real. You can pinch yourself. God's grace is a blanket of mercy that surrounds us. But there is no place, there is no place for persistent and willful rebellion and neglect against the word of God when God has made himself clear. If you want your house to remain and prosper and be blessed by God, then you need to get on your knees and do what Samuel did and what Eli did not do. He said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. What does God want you and your family to be doing? You need to get into your Bible, interact in prayer, and ask for that and commit yourself to that. When the judgment of God fell on Eli's house, his sons died in a single day, dragging the Ark of the Covenant, the earthly extension of God's throne, with the law of God, the blue sapphire tables of the law, dragging it into battle. They lost the battle because they were not in line with the law. And when Eli heard of their death, he fell on his stool, and his neck broke, and the lamp of Israel went out that day. His grandson was named that same day as he was delivered in agony and pain, Ichabod, the glory has departed. Little boy Samuel took the place of Eli as a new light in Israel, just as a child. He was not a priest. He was also a worker for God. Samuel was a judge, a general, a military leader for the people in times that are dangerous. The boy who had learned to fight for faith on his knees was empowered to fight for God and his people in his life. Samuel was the greatest of all the judges and the last of all the judges to rule in Israel. He didn't have muscles like Samson, but he had faith that had muscles. He couldn't carry the gates of Gaza on his back like Samson could, but he could carry the burdens of God's people before God with a bodybuilding kind of faith that would live for God. So Samuel's relationship with God grew stronger and stronger by faith and prayer. 1 Samuel 3.19 and Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel came from Dan to Beersheba. They knew that Samuel was established. Now, what does the text say in your Bible? He was established as what? A prophet of the Lord. He was a boy prophet, a young man who had started his prophetic calling as a child. Verse 21, And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh 
by the word of the Lord. Now, here we have in this verse, verse 21, an amazing phrase. You can read right past it and miss its impact. It says, he revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. That phrase, the word of the Lord, is the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ who is the Word of God, that John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word of God revealed himself to Samuel. Christ was there. Samuel had a relationship with Jesus before Jesus became a human being. Friend, do you want a relationship with God? How many of you want a real relationship with God? I do. Then get out this old book, the Bible, that theologians think they're smarter than, And put yourself into the Word and take it as it reads in your life. Watch God. Watch Him reveal Himself to you in a relationship. Every day as you're praying and reading your Bible, you'll find that the Word of the Lord will reveal Himself to you as well. You know, this business of trying to have a relationship with God based on feelings and meditation is nonsense. I don't know about you. If I think about my feelings long enough, I go down. I can't trust my feelings. If I think about my inner thoughts long enough, I don't like that. I want God's Word in my mind. I want the living Word in my mind. I want to meditate on Jesus' life, not mine. And thus my life becomes transformed as it interacts with His. So when you submit to Jesus enough to take His Word seriously in your life, to read it and pray over it, then God will establish you in the Lord just like He did Samuel. Samuel's boys were no better than Eli's sons, sadly so, if you read the storyline. But there was one difference between Samuel and Eli. There is no evidence that Samuel ever ignored them or they ever looked the wrong way or he ever let them get away with sin. There's no evidence of that. He was different than Eli in this way. Yet Samuel felt the pain of losing his boys to God. And God knew that this fine servant nonetheless could make a difference in someone else's life as a mentor. One day the people pressed Samuel hard for a king, and that meant that they didn't want Samuel to be their leader anymore. It was the end of the judges. It was devastating for Samuel. You've been a prophet, a leader, a military interventionist for God's people, and they said, we don't want you anymore. Give us a king. He was deeply hurt by the rejection. This is what God said. He said, Samuel, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. Because they want a king, they want a rock star, superstar leader, they really don't want me to be their leader. So God told Samuel to anoint Saul to be king. He started out good with God. Saul was great at first, but he got big-headed without God. He thought that he was smarter than God, so he disobeyed God's clear command that was simple and true. And so Samuel came to Saul as an old and sorrowful man that had lost his spiritual son who had to announce to him that God had rejected him just like Eli. You know, Samuel had learned to hear God's voice, but Saul ignored it. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be found in the last days not listening to God in my life. Are you with me? Imagine what it would be like for us to pursue a vision here and somehow set aside God's leading, not listen to his voice in the Bible, and get it all wrong. I would rather be with 200 people who want to follow God's word and listen to him, than 2,000 that fill an auditorium or so. Are you with me? Because it is authentic obedience. It is real faith commitment to God that defines who we are in our generation. Samuel said, Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. That was Samuel's life principle. He was a servant. He listened to God. His attitude was simple and profound. 
And yet Saul's attitude was awful. Don't bother. I'm going to do my own way. I know where I'm going. I have my own will. And yeah, I'm kind of smart. I'm not sure I need to take the prophet for what he says. Let me reinterpret him and do it my own way. So Samuel spoke to Saul with the word of God, just like he spoke to Eli. 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of divination, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. Samuel didn't want to tell the king that he was finished. He wanted to tell him something else. But he told him the truth that day that came from God. When Samuel left King Saul that day, his heart was heavy for Saul. It was broken for Saul. He had lost a son of sorts. He didn't know what God would do for his people in that vacuum. Pastor Michael Oxentenko will be back in just a moment. Reaching Your Heart is a listener-funded program. We step out in faith to purchase airtime on this station because we believe God is working through this radio ministry to touch tens of thousands of lives. Each of our messages is prayed over, biblical messages of hope and Bible truth. To continue, we need your support. We do not have a large ministry fundraising machine. We operate totally by faith. Call our toll-free number to make your contribution of any size today. That number is 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Here now, once again, Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Saul was head and shoulders taller than any man in Israel. That means there was only one giant in Israel. Saul was the giant. Yet he had an itsy-bitsy, puny kind of faith that was unwilling to listen to God. So God rejected him. Friend, being big doesn't mean a thing if your faith is so small that it isn't there for God when it's needed. 1 Samuel 9.2 And Kish had a son whose name was Saul, a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. The giant in Israel fell away from God. So who would God find to take his place? Who would fill the shoes of a giant? Who would be king instead of Saul? 1 Samuel 16.1 The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and go, and I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And so Samuel went to the house of Jesse, and he found him right there in Bethlehem. He found Jesse, and he started looking through the sons, and surely there would be someone there who was tall like Saul, someone who was handsome like Saul, someone whose physical form would command the respect of the people of Israel, someone who could intimidate the giants on the other side with his strength and physical physique like Samson did in the time of the judges. So Samuel looked for a man that was strong, that would fit the bill of a mighty king. He saw Eliab, a tall son of Jesse. God spoke to Samuel in the prophet's ear. Verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks where? What does the text say? Man looks where? On the outward appearance. But the Lord looks where? On the heart. Jesse brought Abinadab, but the Lord said, No, not this one either. Jesse made Shammah pass by, and the Lord said, No, not this one either. 
Then Jesse made his seven sons pass before Samuel. And the Lord said, I have not chosen these. And then Samuel asked the question, are these all your sons now? I've gone through them all. God said he found the leader here. And Jesse said, well, there's one more son. I'm kind of ashamed to mention him. He's just a little boy, lad. He's out there on the hillside. He's the youngest. I didn't think you'd be interested in looking at him, you know. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, fetch him and bring him here. 1 Samuel 16, 12 to 13. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy. That means he was red. And had beautiful eyes. And was handsome. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is he. That sends shivers down my spine to see this story. In a hidden valley, just over the hill, a young shepherd boy surrenders his will, the song goes. And yet God has chosen the shepherd boy as the anointed of the Lord. The lamp in Israel had gone out when Eli died. Eli's eyes were dim because he could not see the things of God and put them in the right practice in his life. Saul was tall, but Saul wouldn't listen to the Lord. And so Saul was really small because of his faith. David had beautiful eyes, which means he had a beautiful mind. He had eyes that looked after the sheep and eyes that set their focus on the things of God and on God himself. David's eyes were beautiful because they longed to look inside the house of God. They weren't trying to avoid God's house. They were moving in the direction of God's house. Samuel slept before the Lord, and like Samuel, David longed to behold the Lord in his temple. Psalms 27, verse 4. David wrote this. One thing I've asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. I want to be in church. I want to be there early. I want to be there for Sabbath school. I want to be there for Adventist youth activities in the afternoon. I want to be there for a prayer meeting because I desire more than anything else to be in the house of the Lord. And look at verse 5. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will set me high upon a rock. He says, I want to be closer to God than Samuel. The rock that he's talking about are the tables of the law inside the most holy place where God himself was enshrined as the king of Israel. I want to be on the throne with God. I want to be in the presence with God. I want to go deeper in than my mentor. David had beautiful eyes because his eyes longed to look on the beautiful Lord for his wisdom and help in life. David wasn't tall, but David was tall enough. David wasn't old, but David was old enough. David was not his father's first choice, but he was God's choice. David wasn't a likely candidate to be king, but he was the greatest king Israel ever had. David was God's choice and God's anointed, even as a child. And Jesus came from the line of David as the anointed of the Lord, because David was the pattern that he attached himself to, to be our Redeemer. In Revelation twenty-two sixteen, Jesus said, I am the root and the offspring of David the bright and morning star. And Samuel anointed the little red-headed boy. He was just a lad. He had an adventurer's and pathfinder anointing service. He anointed the boy who would, in time, not long, bring the giant down with a stone and a sling, not because he was tall or strong, because he had a mighty faith in God. And when David killed Goliath, the Bible's very clear, he took five stones, each one for one of Goliath's brothers, 
He was going to take out the whole clan of blaspheming giants that day for God. He was not going to leave any alive. He had not just set his sights on Goliath. He was going to knock them all down. The little boy with a great big faith in God who learned to serve God early, who learned to value being in the church, stood up for the giant as a boy for God. 1 Samuel 16, 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Friends, our church here is more than children. Our children are the anointed of the Lord. God has set them aside to live for him, to love him, to act mightily in his name right now in their generation. Young people, do you hear what I'm telling you? Look at me now. God has called you to live for Jesus with power and strength and integrity today. They are called in their generations, God's anointed, to prepare the world for Jesus' second coming. That is your calling. They are pathfinders and adventurers for God that are more than just this. They are the anointed of God in their generation. And we want to do everything we can to help you rise in your calling. You hear me? And you take your calling seriously. Now, what did Samuel say to God? Speak, Lord. What? Speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in to The Anointing. You can find this message online if you've missed any portion of it at reachingyourheart.com. Once again, that website, reachingyourheart.com. And thank you so much for listening today. Have you ever wondered what happens five minutes after death? Do you long for the assurance of eternal life? Is there a longing in your heart for something beyond this life? Dark Tunnels and Bright Lights by Mark Finley is the message of hope that you need. This book presents the real truth about life after death, and it is more amazing than you can imagine. Call for your copy today. Here's the information you need. The telephone number is 855-888-4673. 855-888-4673. 855-888-HOPE. Or you can go to the website reachingyourheart.com. Call for your copy today. The book is yours for a donation of any size. And remember that your donations help to keep this ministry on the air. And we thank you for your support. Please join us again next time for another edition of Reaching Your Heart.